Hello and welcome back to the Daily Study of the Way of Mastery. I am Jason Amoroso, your guide and friend, and today we continue with Lesson 5, The Keys to the Kingdom, Section 6, The Importance of Humility. And we're going to look at paragraphs 4, 5, 6, and 7. And then the next section is awesome. It's all awesome, but I'm really excited for the next one. So let's, uh, let's dive in here. Jeshua says, why is genuine humility important? Mark these words well. As you progress along the path of the way of the heart, as you dissolve and loosen the shackles upon the mind, as the interior conflicts are healed and settled, as you begin to accept the abundance that the Father would bestow upon you in all levels of life and all levels of feeling and perception, As you begin to taste of the grandeur and the greatness that would flow through you, you will discover that the enemies become more subtle. Enemies is in quotes. So let's look at this real quick. So why is genuine humility, and if you missed it, it's the previous episode, why is it important? And when Jeshua says mark these words well, I mark them well. I think I literally have the whole, it's just one long sentence actually, the whole sentence underlined and then certain words boldly underlined. So as you progress along the path of the way of the heart, which is the first 12 lessons or so, the first book in the trilogy of the way of mastery, as you dissolve and loosen the shackles upon the mind, and that's what this whole training, A Course in Miracles says this is mind training. You are moving your perception from focus on the outside 3D world Focus on survival mode, getting your physical needs met. And, you know, one of my um, mentors early in my professional coaching career had this great saying that has stuck with me forever. It's like we're so focused on the outside world and we're trying to fix and change everything outside. And if we don't look inside, nothing's really changing. Like it might look different on the outside for a little bit. And then our brain and ego thinks we're making progress and things are different. But if we don't look at and heal the misunderstandings and limiting beliefs that are inside of us, they're just going to, even if it's a new situation, it's going to create the same experience for you. So if you hate your boss and he's doesn't your boss, he or she doesn't respect you, doesn't value you. So let me get out of this toxic job and find a new job. But no, this job is great. It's so awesome. This is now the job. This is the place. And then after a bit, you're like, oh, wait, this environment is toxic, too. Or this boss doesn't respect and value me either. And this job isn't the one. Let me it must be a different one. And then we keep searching. Same in relationships. Oh, this person, this is what's wrong with them. X, Y, Z. So let me get out of this relationship. Oh, this new person. It's fun. It's exciting. And then we get to know them and we're in the relationship. Oh, it's the same thing. And that's because the internal hasn't been healed. So we spend so much time looking outside when all of our uh, solutions, so to speak, all the work is inside, is looking within. And that's what the way of the heart is doing. It's dissolving and loosening the shackles upon the mind of these limiting beliefs these limits that we've put upon ourselves, upon life, upon God. And Jeshua says, as the interior conflicts are healed and settled, 
the interior conflicts. Just look again, the limiting beliefs. Life's unfair. I can't have what I want. I'm unworthy of love. Who am I to be fabulous and successful and happy? Or I can't be happy until something happens. You know, I get married or I get the promotion or I have a million dollars in the bank. Whatever the, you know, the conditions we put as these in- interior conflicts are healed and settled. As you begin to accept the abundance that the Father would bestow upon you. Receive and accept the abundance in all its forms. So many of us just, when we hear the word abundance, we think money, because that's, you know, it's triggering our, our lack consciousness. But the abundance of life, the abundance of goodness, the abundance of love, the abundance of peace, the abundance of creativity, abundance, never ending, abundant, more than enough that the Father bestows upon you in all levels of life and all levels of feeling and perception. As you begin to taste of the grandeur and greatness that would flow through you, you, this makes me think of the Marion Williamson quote, it's not our darkness that scares us, it's our light, it's our power, it's our magnificence. Spirit, your source, your creator of and the creator of all, wants to express through you the grandeur and greatness that you are. Imagine if you woke up every day and you said, ooh, I'm grand and great. And then you believed it and you lived from that place. Other people might think you were a fool. Where does this person's confidence come from? Who are they to think that they're grand and great? Look at how they're always talking about how they're, you know, they just live with this air of grandness and great, you know, grandeur and greatness. Who are they to be like that? Really just touching their own fears and insecurities. But what if we all stood up and embodied that grandeur and greatness, which is life flowing through us? It's not us. That life wants to flow through you. Wake up every day. Life flow through me. I'm here. Jeshua says, you will discover that the enemies become more subtle. And the enemies are in quotes. And what does Jeshua mean by enemies? We're going to read and find out. And I would say it's all the little subtle ways that the ego tries to hijack the spiritual experience. Oh, look at me. I'm more enlightened. Look at me. I'm doing the work. Look at those normies. Look at those NPCs. Look at those people who are sleeping. Look at the sheep. But me, I'm doing the work. I'm embodied Christ. All of the little ways that our ego tries to hijack even the spiritual experience. Jeshua continues. At a very immature, basic, and naive level, every child views, at some stage, its parents as being its enemies, does it not? For example, the child says, what do you mean I can't have the car tonight? What do you mean I must be home by 10 p.m.? And the parent becomes the enemy. Now, I've got teenagers. (laughs) I can appreciate this. And... I believe in the way of mastery, and I also believe if my memory serves me. In A Course in Miracles, Jeshua refers to us not in a judgmental way, although I know my ego when I first heard it was like, what? No, which is that we are spiritually immature. And he says at a very immature, basic, and naive level, the, the child thinks at some stage that its parents are you know, working against them. You know, they don't have and the, and the child just doesn't have the perspective and the experience and, and you know, of the of the parent understanding why there are rules. And maybe parents can explain why I want you to be home by 10. But the, the teenager doesn't care. The teenager is just so focused on him or herself. 
So we are spiritually immature. We don't see the whole picture like Jeshua sees. And so we fight authority. We fight the rules. We fight the things that we don't understand or see on some level. So Jeshua says, he continues, as you move more and more into mastery, you will be sorely tempted to believe that you are done. You will be sorely tempted to believe, I can do this. The prayers I used to do when I began, the simple exercises of awareness I used when I started my path, I don't need them anymore. I've mastered that. I'm more advanced than that. Anytime you hear a voice within yourself saying, I'm done, you may rest assured you are not, and you stand in danger of losing what you have gained. Now, the truth is, even if you lose what you gained, it's an infinite journey, and you always can start at any moment. So this isn't like a threat by Jeshua, um, but he's just sharing what can happen uh, in terms of when we fall prey to the temptations of the ego, of the ego mind. And and I love this because, again, I don't think Jeshua would share anything that he has not, that's like not part of the journey, that he has not experienced. You know, earlier in, in Lesson 4, he talks about, I finally answered the call after resisting. And so if Jeshua resisted, you know, Jeshua is never saying he's different than us. So if on his journey into mastery, he was sorely tempted to believe that he was done, he's also showing us this. He's saying, hey, you're going to be tempted. That's what the ego does. And we, I, I know I've been there where I'm like, oh, this is basic. I don't need the basics anymore. Where's the advanced stuff? Or you read a book that's like a spiritual text and it's like amazing it's way of mastery. I had learned this lesson before the way of mastery, and that's why with the way of mastery, I made sure like, oh, I'm in this for the long game. I want to study this. I want to embody this. I want to apply this. But before that, I would read a, a spiritual book or whatever. I underlined it. I would love it, and I'd read it, and then I'd move on. Okay, what's the next book? Just looking for like more wisdom, more information, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just looking for like, oh, I, I have this. I got this. Let me do the next thing. Instead of like slowing down and understanding that the fundamentals, the basics are the foundation of anything. It's like in sports. I, you know, again, I'm a peak performance coach with professional athletes and it's so very easy even for the most uh, advanced, highest level to want to master the advanced elements and there's a time for that. But if you don't, you know, I, if you don't master the basics and you keep coming back to them, you're going to you're going to have a disconnect of the basics. You're going to take it for granted and those are the very little things that are going to catch up to you in big moments. I remember reading a book, I think it was The Score Takes Care of Itself by Bill Walsh, who was a, a head coach of the San Francisco 49ers and they won at least one or two World Series with Joe Montana. And uh, I was reading an art, maybe it was an article or that book talking about Joe Montana and how this reporter came to see Joe Montana for an interview. This was at the end of his career when he was already a Hall of Famer and one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And Montana was at this high school football field working on like fundamental, basic drills as a quarterback, like things that a high school kid would work on. And here he is a master in his craft. So... 
this is the way that I experience things. You know, sometimes sports is such a wonderful analogy. Jeshua is saying, you are going to be tempted to be like, oh, I got this. I know what awareness is. I know what forgiveness is. What's next? What's the advanced stuff? What's the, where's the astral travel? Where's the quantum creating? All the sexy things that we see on Instagram or social media or, you know, the, the documentaries. Where's all that cool stuff? Past life regression. Where's all that stuff? I, I got this whole forgiveness and, you know, all that stuff, the love. I, I get that. But where's the advanced stuff? <laughs> and we miss it. The prayers that I used in the beginning, the simple exercise of awareness, I don't need them anymore. I've, I've, I've got it. Anytime you say I've got it, I'm done. What's next? You may rest assured that you don't, that it's not. It's not. You don't have it. And you stand in danger of losing what you've gained. Beautiful reminder. And we, you know, we, we've almost been conditioned now what, what to want more and more in terms of what's new, what's next. Look at your own life. Where are you like, okay, what's new, what's next? And what conditions us? Again, social media, swiping, whether it's these dating apps, which I haven't been on, but I can imagine because I'm on Instagram and it's very easy to just get caught up in 20 minutes of just looking at dumb reels. Are they entertaining? Yeah, they're mildly entertaining for a minute. And then you realize 20 minutes has gone by and I don't feel good. And I'm like, what the hell did I just do? Why am I, why am I watching this stuff? It's dumb. It's entertaining. It's funny. It's whatever, but it's dumb. What's new? What's next? We're always being conditioned for that. So Jeshua continues, humility is the recognition that the more you move into mastery, the more there is the desire for discipline and vigilance. Discipline does not mean doing something hard that you do not like to do. Discipline is like the skill of an artist that cultivates and refines the skill, simply out of the deep desire and delight to create more beautifully. An athlete disciplines a muscle so that the muscle works even more beautifully than it did the day before, out of the sheer delight to extend a greater beauty in the world. A beautiful paragraph here where Jeshua is talking about the more you move into mastery, the more there's this desire for discipline and vigilance. Why does the master desire discipline and vigilance? Because the master knows that this is the way to a greater expanse and experience of what they're on the path of mastery for. And the previous paragraph, Jeshua says, the more and more you move into mastery, you're going to be tempted to believe that you're done. And that is another reason why if ooh, if I know I'm going to be tempted to be like, yeah, I'm good. I got this. I want to be vigilant and disciplined in seeing that and bringing myself back to the daily process, the basics. Discipline doesn't mean doing something hard that you don't like to do. That's how most of us either have been taught or we think about discipline. Ooh, I don't like discipline. But the word discipline comes from the word disciple, which means a student. So if you are, a, you are disciplined, you are a student of something. Discipline is showing up even when you don't feel like it. It's commitment. Discipline's like the skill of an artist, Jeshua says, that cultivates and refines the skill simply out of the desire and delight to create more beautifully. 
It's not to get anything. It's not because you're wrong and you, the artist is judging himself as, oh, I'm not good enough. No, I, the, 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 the master knows if I stay with this, I'm so committed to this practice. I'm so disciplined in this because I know that on in this path to mastery and, and having discipline, something even more beautiful is going to be expressed. And I, and that's what I'm so committed to. I, I want, I want it to be, and how much more I want it to be expressed and how much more beautiful can it be? I don't know. There's a great book by George Leonard. It's a bedside book or a bathroom book, whatever you want to call it. It's a very small book. It's probably like 10 bucks on, um, Amazon. I'll put the link. I highly recommend it. It's an easy read. I'll put the link in, in the, in the show notes here. And George Leonard is was an is and was an Aikido master, and so this book is about mastery with Aikido as the background. But it's not you don't have to know anything about martial arts or Aikido to get benefit from this book because it's really about you and developing mastery for you. And he talks about three different types of people when you're trying to get better at anything. There's like the dabbler who kind of dabbles and maybe sees some, you know, uh, advancement in, in in what they're dabbling in, but not enough, not committed enough to kind of stick with it. There's the hacker who just wants like quick results. What do I need to do to get quick results now? Cut through the process and just get it. And usually they'll end up quitting after a little bit too. And then there's the obsessive who like obsesses so much like the fire burns so bright in the beginning. But then when they don't see sustained results, they get discouraged and they quit. Those are the three types of people that is outlined in this book. And then he talks about what a master is, a mastery. And what happens is whenever we're learning a new skill and Jeshua is calling this, this is a skill. A skill is something that is developed and cultivated with practice. So. George Leonard in his book Mastery says that, yeah, when, whenever we learn a new skill, usually we see like a bump in, in skill. We see a bump, an improvement. But then we're kind of on a plateau where it seems like we're not really getting better. We're putting in the work, but we're not getting – we're not seeing the results. We're, we're kind of plateauing, and most people are going to quit there. But mastery is you just stay on the plateau for as long as it takes. Who knows? But you just keep showing up and putting in the work because it's not about the end results. It's about the process and enjoying the process of showing up and chopping wood and carrying water. And then whenever it is, you'll see another bump. And you're like, ooh, I just got a little – I can see now. I'm, I'm feeling my gains. And then it, we're on a plateau again. For how long? Who knows? But that's mastery, staying and showing up and doing the work on the plateau, the basics as Jeshua is talking about. And then if we stick with it at some point, who knows, it could be a day, it could be a year, boom, we see another bump. And that is what mastery looks like. Little gains, plateaus, little more gains, but over the long haul, we're trending up and to the right. We're, gain, we're, we're improving over time. Our brain doesn't like this. Our brain is impatient. We want to see results right away, especially in the culture that we live in. Six-minute abs. How do I get more results in less time with less effort? Look at where you're impatient and demanding that from life. And are you willing to take a longer view of mastery of showing up? And so Jeshua is saying that discipline is this skill of just showing up over and over and over again, and, res and, and not resisting, but looking at the subtleties of the ego. Oh, I know this. I've mastered this. Not because you're trying to get to the end goal, 
but for the desire and delight to create more beautifully. And, and your life is that, that you can create life more beautifully with less fear, with less striving and forcing. And he uses the example of an athlete. And I think this is the highest version of sport. This is what I love about sport, that an athlete develops the muscle to work more beautifully than it did the day before, just to see out of the sheer delight to extend greater beauty in the world. If the athlete sees what they're doing as beautiful and as an extension of the divine through them, which maybe some athletes do, I think that is the highest, the purest form of sport. That's why people love watching the Olympics is what are humans capable of? And in in moments, because somebody could train for four years, get to the Olympics, they've practiced their whole, the last four years, probably their whole life for this one race, for a 100 meter dash. And it's going to be over within, I don't even know how many seconds, I don't know, 20 seconds or whatever it is. That's why people watch the Olympics to see what's possible, to see world records being broken. Because just like Roger Bannister who once he broke the four minute mile and he was considered like crazy. Oh, it's physically impossible to do a mile under four minutes. You can't, the body won't do it. And he refused to believe that and he did it. And then in the next year, like 50 other dudes did it. And now people are, now high school kids are doing it. So it's like when one person breaks a barrier, other people, oh, ooh, that's possible. I want to do it too. And I think that's the highest level of sport is like my body is an instrument. My mind is an instrument. How can I show up and create and express what's inside of me as a gift, as a gift to others? It is for, it, it, it's of me, but it's it's for everyone else as well. Everyone benefits when when athletes, when anyone, when artists, when musicians, when Anyone shows up with that, my gifts are not just for me, they're also for the world. When the highest level people share that, when we all share it, we benefit. So Jeshua is giving this example of discipline. Like, see if you can shift. If you have a relationship with discipline where it's like, oh, it's heavy, it's filled with judgment, it's like not something that's fun. You know, that's what Jeshua says, right? Discipline doesn't mean doing something hard that you don't like to do. There's a great video by Mike. It's a Mike Tyson now in his later life seems, and I don't know him, but from what all the interviews that he's doing seems to have really um, brought about a lot of healing inside of himself. I mean, there's a lot of wisdom and insight and soulfulness to his life now. The vulnerability, the honesty. I don't know. I, it doesn't look like he's perfect by any means, but like there's a lot of good, really valuable uh, interviews that he's sharing uh, on his journey. And he's had quite a journey. And he talks about discipline. And he talks about discipline as love. It's so beautiful. That's all like the energy of it touched me. That's what I remember. It's like seeing discipline differently as love. I'm going to find the video and put it in the show notes. It's short and I highly recommend that you watch it. It may really also shift your relationship with discipline. We're here to extend greater beauty in the world for the sheer delight of it. And we do that through showing up. We do that through desire and intention and allowance and surrender. And we have to just be aware that the greater we expand, the more our ego is going to want to hijack the experience. And that's where we want, we desire even more discipline and vigilance. 
so we can continue to be aware of that and keep showing up in our fullness and expanding. Tomorrow, next episode gets so good too. Uh, love you guys. If you get value from this, like, subscribe, share. I think the best thing you could do is give us a good positive review and we'll see you next time.